legacy. That's what being a dad's about. You know, leaving a legacy for the next generation. And um, I love how in that little video it was, did grandpa do this, did grandpa do that, and how it was passed on to the dad, now being passed on to the, to the kids. So I want to ask you a question before we get in, into the word and read the word for this morning. If, what if you could have $1,440 directly deposited in your bank account every day? That'd be a pretty good deal. That would be over a half a million dollars. To be exact, it would be $525,600. So that's a lot of dough. Here's the catch. The catch is, whatever you don't spend out of that money every day, $1,440, it's gone. There's no rollover. Uh, there's no savings plan. You can spend it however you want. But at the end of each day, you start over. You know where I'm going with this. There's 1,440 minutes in every day that you've been given. You've been given 1,440 minutes. I did the math so you can follow me up on this. Ben Franklin said that time is the stuff that life is made of. That's so true. Time is life. You ask the person who gets a bad report from the doctor, what do they say? They say, Doc, how much time do I have? In other words, how much life do I have? Left. How much life do I have? Time is the currency of relationships. The more time you spend together, the more fruitful that relationship is. So time dictates relationships. We got to learn to watch the clock, so to speak, when it comes to, to time in our lives. I was watching the NBA championship the other night, and the Cavaliers got down way too far behind Golden State. And just time ran out on them. In basketball, you have to watch the clock. Football's another time, you know, boundary sport that has, has a time limit. You gotta watch the clock. If you're a business person, you gotta watch the clock. You don't wanna be late to an important business meeting that you're trying to, to sell or make a deal. And we don't mind wasting time, do we? But we sh certainly will do anything to save it when we don't think we have much left. And you can always make more money. If you, if you lose money, you can always make new friends if you lose your friends. But the one thing you cannot create more of, and that's time. We're in a, a series called Q&A that we started a couple weeks ago where we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is one of the poetry books of the Old Testament along with Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. So it's written in poetry, poetic, but it's a philosophy book. It's not a theology book. It's asking the big questions of life, that life has big questions. And what we're doing through this book is taking Solomon's questions that he asked about life and answering them through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of, of God's word and what God would say each, to each one of these. And today I'm going to read from chapter 3. Verses 1 through 15. And keep in mind, Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. And King Solomon was a guy who had everything. He had money. He had power. He had fame. He had fortune. He had it all. And at the end of his life, this is when he's writing this. And he's asking these deep, deep questions about life. And wondering, you know, the, the first week, he, he's, in chapter 1, he says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And we answered the question, what's the point of life? And last week we looked at where can I find happiness and satisfaction 
in, in chapter 2. And so today in chapter 3, let me read this for you. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter uh, stones and time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so men will revere him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will call the past into account. How do I make the most of time? How do I make the most of the time that I've been given? Would you pray with me? Lord, as we look this very, very, very important question. God, people do not need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, you would open our ears, open our hearts to what it is you want to say through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I'm going to make the most of my time, he says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Here's a few things I think you and I need to do if we're going to truly make the most of our time. The first one is this. I need to remember that my time on earth has an expiration date. I need to keep that in front of me all the time. That, that my life has an expiration date. Like food has an expiration date. Like vacations have an expiration date. Like your passport, <laughs> driver's license, it all has an expiration date. Your time on earth has an expiration date. And he says in, in verse 2, the first part of verse 2, he says there's a time to be born and a time to die. It's kind of interesting that, that he starts this passage on time. He starts with two things that are out of each one of our control. You didn't have any control over the day you were born and you don't control the day of your death. You didn't, you didn't, you don't get a the choice there. It, it is what it is. It actually says in, in Job chapter 14, verse 5, he says, Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits. He cannot exceed. I need to remember that. I need to remember, you need to remember that you have less time than you think. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you have less time than you truly think. And you may be thinking, this is a little morbid, right? No, it's not. This is a reality that, the, that, that we need to talk about and keep the reality of our own death 
our, the expiration of our time here on earth in front of us. Contemplate it often. No one in this room is truly living until you're truly prepared for that day and being prepared for that day. And you're not making the most of your time unless you're thinking, my life has an expiration date. When you think like that, I mean, how many are, are, you get way more work done when you know you're going on vacation the next day? Boom, you get your house in order, you get your desk in order, you get your, every, your emails to be responded back to, you, you put it, because you know you're getting ready to, you know, go on vacation. Well, let's keep our lives like that. If we're going to make the most of this precious commodity called time, then we need to remember consistently that our time on earth has an expiration date. Second thing I would tell you is this. If I'm going to make the most of my time, I need to accept that God has a purpose in both the good and the difficult times of my life. God has purpose in both the good and the difficult times of my life. How many have figured out that life is both good and difficult? Yeah, right? Life is, is good and, and, and difficult. Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren, when his wife got cancer, he wrote these words, and, and I, I think it's very, very important for us to, to see life this way. He said, I used to think that life was hills and valleys you go through. You go through a dark time, then you go to a mountaintop and back and forth. He said, I don't believe that anymore. Rather than life being hills and valleys, I believe that it's kind of like two rails on a railroad track. And at all times, you have something good and something bad in your life. No matter how good things are in life, there's always something bad that needs to be worked on. And no matter how bad things are in your life, there's always something good you can thank God for. You can focus on your purposes or you can focus on your problems. So it's important for us to know that. Life is always going to have that. This, this is not, uh, we're not in heaven yet. And, and he gave in this passage, he gave 14 positive in 14 negatives, 14 good things and 14 difficult things in life. He says, first of all, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. Um, just recently, we have, we have a house that was built in 1959, and so I think we had, a, we had a rose bushes in our backyard and, you know, the old, uh, what do you call the train... Railroad ties, thank you very much. The railroad ties, holding them in and they're falling apart. And no one in our family is exactly the green thumb, you know, great landscaper. And these roses were kind of rotting. And so I just spontaneously one day I uprooted all our roses. And, and I had this great plan of, of planting a garden. I haven't exactly got to that, but I do blame the rain for that. But, you know, life has a way of uprooting you when you're not ready for it sometime. It could be a relationship. It could be your job. It could be finances. It could be health. It could be whatever. Life has this way of, of uprooting us sometimes when we're not ready. He says a time to heal, a time to kill, a time to build, a time to tear down. Again, using my house, our house as an illustration. Our house was built in 1959. Anybody have a house older than that? I have the oldest house in the church. Cool. It's built like a tank, though. You know, an old brick house built in 1959. But about probably 20 years ago, the previous owner remodeled the house. 
You remember 20 years ago, you remodeled the house. It doesn't exactly look good today. It had Brady Bunch carpet and paneling and all kinds of stuff. And, and so we've remodeled our, our house. Back then, 20 years ago, they thought, this is going to be really cool. Look at our new things. Look at our great paneling and our, our really awesome carpet that 20 years later, you go, we got to get rid of that. It's, it's time to build, a time to tear down, a time to laugh, a time to weep, a time to dance, a time to mourn. Man, as a pastor, I've done both of those with people. I've laughed and I've weeped. I've, I've been to, to weddings and you dance and celebrate, you know, the wedding and the new life. And then, you know, I have to weep with people who lose loved ones. Too soon. He says there's a time to, to gather, a time to scatter, to embrace, refrain, search, give up, keep, throw away, mend, tear, speak, be silent. It's back and forth. Here's the deal. In difficult times, seek God. When you're in a difficult time, don't run from God. Seek him. God has promised to be our healer. He's promised to be our comforter to walk with us. He didn't promise that we weren't going to go through difficulties, but he promised he would be with us in the storms. Here's my encouragement. If you're in a difficult time today, instead of getting bitter, get better. Instead of getting bitter, get better. Instead of, instead of seeing, you know, the difficulties of life as dead ends, see them as detours. God, you have another plan for me. This feels like a dead end. This difficulty that I'm going through feels like a, a dead end, but it's just a detour to go where God wants you to be. It's all about perspective. So if you're going through a difficulty today, just accept it. God has purpose in it, and he is conforming us and working things in our life to make us more like Jesus. And there's nothing he uses more than difficulties. Third thing I would tell you is this. If you're going to make the most of your time, I need to hold on to my faith in confusing times. I need to see that he has purpose in these difficulties, but in these confusing times, I need to hold on to my faith. God's sovereignty means that God is in control. That God is, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything. He knows how everything is going to work out. And so if you're in one of those confusing times, I would encourage you to trust God. To say, God, I don't understand how this is all going to work, but, but you're God and I'm not. And allow him to work in your life through that and just trust him. God's an all-loving God, an all-perfect God, an all-powerful God, and he is ultimately in control. And I don't, I don't like Christian band-aids that people give for people's hearts sometimes. You know what Christian band-aids are? It's, it's the quick cliche because sometimes we don't know what to say when someone is hurting. I mean, and for, for example, I mean, one of them is, is, you know, when someone dies, we say, well, well, they're in a better place. That's true. And if you've ever said that, I'm not condemning you for saying that. I've said that because it is truth. But we got to know when to say that sometimes. And sometimes to say they're in a better place is like, thanks, but that, I'm not, I, I, I want them to be here right now, you know. And you got to let, let somebody process. One thing I've learned is to say, you know what, I don't know. The, the longer I walk with God, 
the more I, I know I don't have him figured out. Anybody following me here? The longer you walk with God, the more you realize, I don't know. I don't know why these things happen. I could give my best, you know, quick Christian answer. Or I could give a quick Christian Band-Aid. But ultimately, I don't know. And you know what? It's okay sometimes to say, I don't know. That's where you rely on the character of God and who he is. And we got to always remember that this isn't heaven. That this life is not heaven. And we are passing through. And in this life, we're going to have difficult and confusing times. Solomon said, though God has planted eternity in the hearts of men, even so man cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Think about the disciples. They had walked and talked with Jesus and saw him do miracles. He talked about, you know, he was, he was the Messiah, he was the Christ, and they thought that he was going to, you know, usher in the, the, the physical kingdom right now. And he kept talking about, like, I got to go and die. I got to go lay my life down. I'm going to be killed at the hands of the religious leaders and the Romans. And they'd be like, what? They were confused. Jesus actually told them one time, he said, you don't realize what I'm doing, but someday you will. That's a word for somebody this morning. You're going through a confusing time. And Jesus' word to you is you don't realize what I'm doing right now, but someday you will. Sooner or later, you're going to figure out that you can't figure it all out. We, when we realize that we can't figure out, then we're, then we're free. In confusing times, trust God. In difficult times, seek him. In confusing times, trust him. Fourth thing I would tell you about making the most of your time is this. I need to devote my talents to doing good. Devote my talents to doing good. If you want to make the most of your time, if you want to leave a legacy... He says, there's nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. To do good while they live. That's verse 12. So what, what we need to do is say what the psalmist says. Right when you wake up in the morning, this is the day, Lord, you have made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You wake up, that's the first thing you say is, Lord, th this is the day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Dedicate every day to the Lord before you go do anything. Um, before, I, I don't know if you're, you're guilty of this like me, but my temptation is the first thing is to look at my phone and start looking at emails and check Facebook and do this and that and kind of try to come to a little bit. And I've been trying to change that a little bit and just turn over and put my feet on, on the floor and say, Lord, this is the day you've made. I dedicate it to you. I want to do your will. Uh, make me aware of the people's needs around me. Uh, give me, a, you know, aware of the opportunities that are going to be before me. Um, I want to I brag on a couple folks in our, our church this morning. They don't know that I'm going to brag on them, but Sherilyn Ugert and her son Jeff came to, to the, the aid of somebody in our church that was in need. And it was just a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, a beautiful picture of the church being the church. And when you find out that someone has a need, and Sherilyn brought it to, to prayer meeting, we pray on Wednesday mornings over at the church offices at 9.30. Everyone's welcome. But um, she brought that, and she told her son Jeff, you know, about it, and he said, let's help. And so, so they were able to do that. And that's just devoting your time to doing good. Utilize your time wisely. Don't waste it. And don't waste your talents. 
I had a friend in high school, a baseball player, and he had more ta- God-given talent than anybody on the team. And yet during the offseason, he wouldn't pick up a ball. He, was, he would come out of shape and, and not ready. They used to tick me off. Anybody you can re- relate? Because I didn't have the same talent that he did, and he just would show up. And, and ultimately, and I thought, man, you're wasting your talent. I was one of those guys. I actually got on him. I was like, dude, you know, you're hurting the team, and you're wasting your talent by not, by not working hard. I'm sure that went over really well with him, and we were best friends. For, <laughs> but, you know, don't, don't waste your time. Don't waste your talents. Do your giving while you're living. Do your best giving while you're living. I was thinking about this. And you can write these three words down on your notes if there's room. Risk, regret, reward. Risk, regret, reward. God wants us to take risks and devoting ourselves to doing good. And, it's, and the word risk, by definition, is the possibility of suffering you know, harm or loss. That's what risk really is. And so God wants us to risk so that we won't live with regret and that we'll be rewarded in eternity for the things that we did in this life with the time that we had. So my challenge for you is what risks is God maybe put in your heart? What risks is he asking you to do relationally for the gospel, um, you know, generosity, time, all these things, where, where, where could you risk a little bit more so that you won't have regret, so that you won't be saying coulda, shoulda, woulda at the end of your life? No one wants to say, man, I could have done this, I should have done that, if I just would have. We don't want to live with regret. We want to live at the end of our lives knowing that, that we gave our all to God because God promises to give us eternal rewards. He's going to give you rewards for the things that you, you risk in your life, and those things that are uncomfortable to do, for sharing your faith, for doing good, for being faithful. He's going to reward us. Fifth thing, if I'm going to make the most of my time, is, is this. I need to learn to find my joy in the ordinary things of life. I talked about this a lot last week, but one of the key understandings to life is that life is pretty ordinary. Most of life is pretty ordinary. is ordinary. You go to work, maybe you're raising kids, uh, whatever you do is, you know, it's a fairly ordinary life. And and we forget that our ordinary life becomes an act of worship when we see God in it. When we say, God, I want to glorify you with my ordinary life. But we're so tempted by the bigger, better deal all the time. I need a bigger, better house, a bigger, better car, a bigger, better job, a better this, a better that. And we're always looking for, for that bigger, better deal. And we don't stop and enjoy those simple blessings, those simple things that are in our, our lives. And you can, you can find true joy. You know what the, the real ingredient to finding joy in your life is a thankful heart. People who have thankful hearts and thank God for the, for the ordinary blessings of the day... They're walking in joy. They're walking in a true peace. He said in verse 13, all of us should eat and drink and enjoy what we've worked for. It is God's gift. He says in in chapter 11, verse 8, however many years a man's life, let him enjoy them all. We're told in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. Those are ordinary things. Celebrate God's goodness every day. 
Man, we're so busy going from here to here to here to here that we don't stop and enjoy the ordinary things of life, having a meal together, um, you know, just hanging out. It's, we're just so busy, go, 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 that we don't stop and enjoy that ordinary. One of my favorite books that I ever, have ever read on the spiritual disciplines, things that will cause you to grow in Christ's likeness is a, is a spiritual discipline. It's why we read the word, we pray, etc. It was a book called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. Anybody read that book before? It's a must, must read. The Life You've Always Wanted. And he, he has a chapter in there called The D-Daw Day. And in, in the book, he, he tells a story about how his young daughter, a little toddler daughter, he was giving her a bath. And he was in a, in a hurry to get to watch TV or do something that he wanted to do. Picture this, picture this. You probably have been there if you're a young parent or you've been a parent before. And he said that she was just, you know, overly fun that night and just wanting to enjoy taking a bath and goofing off and squirting with water and do all kinds of things, you know. And, and this particular day, as she was getting out of the bathtub, she, she grabbed the towel and she started doing this little dance. She was going, dee-da, 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 dee-da. And he was like, would you hurry up? Stop dancing. I, I, you know, let's, let's get this over with. And she, she, it, he said that she stopped and she looked at him. And she said, why, Daddy? What are you in such a hurry for? And pfft, his conviction fell on him. I'm missing out on an ordinary blessing from God to just chill with my daughter. And so he said he grabbed the towel and started going, dee-daw, dee-daw with her. He did the dee-daw dance with her. The point is, thankfulness and celebration of God's goodness in the ordinary things. Listen, my kids are all teenagers now. I miss those times. It went by way too fast to do the D-Daw dance. Dang it, I'm going to cry. Do every, do every, I've said this before, do every, dads in this room, do every daddy do you, do you want to. Whenever your kids say, daddy, do you want to play another game of Candyland? Do it. You want to play catch? You want to throw me up in the air for the thousandth time? Whatever it is, do every one of those things because it goes by too doggone fast. And, and grandpas do the same thing. That goes for all us parents, but, but for dads, we need that reminder today. Find your joy in the ordinary things of life. Lastly, if I'm going to make the most of my time, I need to believe that I will give an account for my responsibilities. God has given every person responsibilities. Whatever it is, starting as a, being a follower of Jesus to, to your relationships, to your work, etc. And time is not only something to be thankful for, but it's a responsibility that I need to steward. It's a responsibility that you need to steward your time. I'm responsible for how I use my time. You are responsible for how you use your time. That, that takes faithfulness. Thankfulness for, the, for finding joy. Faithfulness and remembering, I'm going to give an account for my life. He said in verse 15, he said, That which has already been and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Paul says this in the book of Romans, Each of us will give an account of himself to God. It's important for us to live. We'll live differently. 
How many know this to be true? There is a difference between having enough time to do what I want to do and having enough time to do what I need to do. There's a big difference. The, the, the things that I want to do versus what I need to do. Um, Jesus lived 33 years in this earth. In the last three of your, years of his life, he did his ministry. And he finished everything that God gave him to do. And he just wants us to finish well too. We're imperfect. He's perfect. That's why we need the Savior. But I think it's important for me to remember that, that God is, i got to give an account for my life. Let me tell you something that's important. There's two judgments that we see in Scripture that after we die, there's two judgments. There's one is called the great white throne judgment. And that's where every person will stand before God and give an account of their life. A little frightening to, to think about that. You know, the, the, <laughs> I think of all the bad and all the wrong thoughts and actions and, and, and everything that's there. Here's the beauty. Jesus was judged in our place. If you trust in Jesus, you put your hope in him, you give him all your wrongs, you give him all your guilt. He was judged in your place. You won't face the great white throne judgment. The person in this room that, that, that is unwilling to put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, you're going to face that judgment. But the person that puts their hope in Jesus, you're free from that judgment. That's a, how many know that's good news right there? There is another judgment, though, and it's called the Bema Seat. And it is a rewards, an award ceremony for what we do as Christians in the power of Christ for the glory of Christ. We will be rewarded. It's kind of like, it's, it's very positive. This, this judgment is God's going to look at how faithful we were with our time and our responsibilities, and he's going to give us eternal rewards for, for how we lived our life. Rewards... But from God are noble because he promises them. That's a good thing. So it's important that maybe today you're feeling some conviction. Maybe today you're feeling a little bit of guilt and going, man, maybe I haven't been a good father. I haven't been a good parent or I've blown it. Today's the day to give your guilt to Jesus and make a fresh start with him. You can do that. That's the beauty of God. He never will turn away a repented heart and somebody that gives their life back to them. That's why I like that video. You know, uh, it's that idea that we can, can, we can start today and pass on the good things that God has given us on to those behind us. I'll, I'll conclude with this. If today you want to affirm and reaffirm to God that you want to make the most of your time, you're saying, you know what, regardless of where I've been, you can't do anything about the past. The, the past is gone. All you have is today because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. The past is in the past, you have today. Would you be willing to affirm or just reaffirm to God that you wanna make the most of your time? If so, stand to your feet and I wanna pray a blessing over you.